This is the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we are on Season 2, Episode 3 of Pennyworth, The Belt and Welt. Aren't you up there looking down on all of us, seeing what everyone's up to? <laughs> you think I'm sitting on a cloud in a white nighty, do you? Playing a midget harp? Well, yeah, something like that. That's a very childish notion of death you've got there, son. Maybe I'm not even dead. Did you see a body? Maybe I'm in America. Eating hamburgers on a beach. Are you? A minced meat sandwich? Disgusting idea. And that's who stole your money. Well, as a general rule, it's nearly always trusted colleagues, or friends, or family to bug you. As I found to my own cost. That's not fair. I didn't. Welcome back, fellow governors. This is the Pennyworth Podcast, and we are on episode three of season two, The Belt and Welt. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek, or your other host, Derek. There's only two of us at this show. Exactly. I keep forgetting the two of us that do We uh, are a couplet. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, welcome back. Yes, uh, interestingly, uh, this episode is part one of the two-part mid-season finale of Pennyworth. Um, we should have known about this. It was announced back in October that there would only be three <laughs> weeks of Pennyworth, uh, and I completely forgot when we were scheduling our podcast. Uh, but So on this episode, we are going to just cover episode three of season two, uh, The Belt and Welt. Uh, we've been good enough not to watch episode four, so uh, in all of our speculation that might come out of this episode, we haven't seen episode four. So um, whatever way you're watching the show, we won't spoil what happens in episode four, because we don't know right now. And also, and we're going to talk spoilers for episode three here, I think this episode is important enough to have its own discussion podcast. Absolutely. Like, you lose a major character here. You can't yeah, just absolutely. Uh, c- cover that over and, and not talk about it in depth. So that's why we're going to do uh, Season 2, Episode 3 right now. In this episode, we will have our podcast about Episode 4 out later this week. If you have any thoughts on both of the episodes, please email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and share your thoughts over there. Yes, and of course, you can subscribe to us over on tvpodcastindustries.com or you can go on uh, any good or evil or, dare I say, straight-laced or groovy podcast player of your choice, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You name it, we are on there. Just please search TV Podcast Industries Mm -hmm. or The Pennyworth Podcast. And also, please share and support the podcast. Rate us, leave a review, uh, because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the old festive love. Mm-hmm. Yes, happy Christmas, everybody. Yes, of course, if you celebrate Christmas. Uh, it, it happened uh, on the 25th, a bit of a weird one this year, uh, with everybody in Ireland and the UK going back into lockdown anyway. Uh, and I know it's been very different in, very, in, in many countries, uh, what's been happening over this year's Christmas. But I hope you enjoyed the holidays. I hope you got some time off with your family and your friends and and hopefully you got some uh, got some time to spend with them, or at the very least got to watch some good TV uh, over the last couple of days. Yeah, and of course, just to uh, remember that we will this this festive podcast on all things Pennyworth will be coming back in a, at a, another religious festival when it the second part of season two comes back in March. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, we will go from Jingle Bells to Easter Bunnies um, <laughs> for our coverage of. The second half, or the the remaining six episodes of Pennyworth season two. That's right. I was wondering where you were going with that. Yes, I know. Yes, the announcement came out this week um, with the second half trailer uh, for the season. It came out that, it, that the second half of the season will come out in March. That's right, John. Uh, but as I said earlier on, we will be back with our episode four podcast later this week before the new, before New Year's. Let's say. Um, do you want to get into it, John? Yes, let's get into our spoiler-filled review of episode three, The Belt and Welt. Hmm. What could that be in reference to? Um, probably getting belted and then getting a welt. Well, yes. So uh, so if you get hit by a leather belt, um, you would usually end off with a welt, with a kind of a, a 
mark on your body after that's happened to you. I think in this episode, because um, of Archbishop Potter's uh, storyline in this episode, there is partly partly to do with uh, punishment or people punishing themselves with uh, with using leather leather belts to hit themselves. Uh, potentially, it's a reference to him. Um, there is some punishment here for uh, for Dave Boy's. Um, Loose lips, let's say. Yeah, sink um, ships. Yep. Yeah, so potentially, or causes explosions. Or causes explosions. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so potentially, it's something. It, it, it's to do with that. But once again, uh, we do have episode titles this season, as we mentioned. Uh, something that we're we're enjoying exploring what they could possibly be a reference to. Uh, this episode wasn't actually written by uh, Brina Heller, the showrunner uh, who wrote the first two episodes. The episode was written by Jimmy Dowdall. Um, he's worked on a lot of shows in the UK, including Shameless. Uh, I think he had four or five episodes, but he was uh, he worked on the show for years. Uh, a pretty massive show and i think it's on its 13th season of the remake the u.s version um, of, of shameless as well so very long-running show in the u.s and in the uk yeah exactly originally starting off in the uk on a council estate in mm-hmm. manchester that's right that's right yeah yeah, pretty much spent all the time on the council estate in Manchester. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yes, Jimmy comes over to us. Lots of nice little bits of humour in here. So I wonder if uh, if him coming on board brought some of the humour to uh, to this show as well. Uh, the episode was directed by Rob Bailey. We've talked about Rob Bailey so many times. Um, he's worked on so so much stuff with Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon, uh, including Gotham, where he directed eleven episodes of that show. Uh, these episodes included the turning point for Gotham, which was Penguin's Umbrella, uh, which was season one, episode yeah, seven. That was John, a big remember that where kind of the audience has started to trail off thinking this is just going to be another show and then suddenly you get this yeah that was a big big episode Uh, and in some ways then i think it's right that rob bailey got this episode because let's just say as we've been calling the the three lads the the boys the Mm -hmm. gang um of dave boy baza and alfie then big Big repercussions for Absolutely. these three um, in this episode. Yeah, yeah, big episode to be directing. Uh, Rob Belly also directed the finale of Gotham, uh, season five, episode twelve, the final ever episode of Gotham as well. So, uh, trusted hands uh, for Danny Cannon and, and Bruno Heller. Uh, this is the third episode of Pennyworth. He also directed. We've talked about him last season when he directed episode five and episode nine of season one. Yeah, so he's a real collaborator with Danny Cannon and Bruno Heller, mm-hmm. for sure. And I love, his work. I love his work on these yeah. shows as well. Really, really good. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. A bomb explodes on Micklewhite Avenue outside the Pennyworth house. While Alfie gets a visitation from his late father, his mom helps a wounded girl back to health and rediscovers her purpose in life. Meanwhile, Alistair Crowley's manipulation of Prime Minister Archbishop Potter is complete as the holy man is captured in a compromising position with multiple sexual partners, ooh er misses. Potter takes his own life, leaving the way clear, as planned by the CIA. Bet Sykes finally makes contact with an appreciative Lord Harwood, who arranges for her retrieval, but Francis Gaunt is concerned that Bet's uncontrollable nature puts the Raven Union's cause at risk. Following the crushing loss of their travel fund, Alfie falsely accuses Captain Gulliver Troy of betraying them, but Gully offers the boys a job to make back their lost earnings. Back at Delaney's, Dave Boy realises that his drinking has caused their problems. After bragging about their windfall to another group of drinkers at the bar, the nefarious group concocted their extortion plan. When Baza, Dave Boy and Alfie confront the thieves, it all gets out of hand and costs Baza his life in an accidental explosion. Will Dave Boy recover from his part in the death of his best friend? That is the big question I have uh, at the end of this episode. This is a shocking death for for Baz. I think probably because the show really has built up this idea of the Raven Union versus the uh, English League with Alfie and the boys kind of somewhere in the middle, kind of running uh, different missions and different operations going on, losing one of your main three characters on the good side, I suppose, on your protagonist side, let's say, uh, like Baza, in this episode, the way that he's lost to some guys that just rob some money off them and it's an ac- accidental explosion to kill him. You know, in season one, we saw Esme Will- Winnicus, uh, Alfie's partner, dying and him kind of going on a revenge path for the whole season. This time, there's nobody to go and take revenge out on for Alfie. This is all the fault of Dave Boyne is drinking, right? So... Um, I think that's where we're going to start is talking about Alfie and the boys, but that's kind of where I'm where I'm sitting right now. What's going to happen with Dave Boy? Because he knows this was all caused by him, and it's all an accident that gets Baza killed. Yeah, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, it's the death of Baza. Uh, for me, this is a really sad day. 
um, loved Baza. He was the cool, level, um, chilled um, one of the three. Yeah. You know, he had the plan. He he was always kind of getting the job done. You know, you had Dave Boy's wild um, drinking. You had him effectively, you know, being the one that could undermine their particular um operational mission at the time um and i think Baza was that steady ship for alfie yeah. um and seeing him go um it's really sad uh day i think it's a massive moment for the for the series i think to be honest yeah. breaking up effectively with the death of Baza, alfie and his two boys um and i think that you know I just, you know, part of me is like, wow, they did that. That's, you know, that's really good. It's really sad that Bowser, you know, I, I um, really like the character. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I would have loved for the these three to have kept going, or at least you know, maybe towards the end of this season. Um, now, we don't know where it's necessarily going to go. Will they, you know, will Alfie be in America by the end of this season? Because it mm-hmm. will... With this money, with to get to America, it's all leading to that. And but I would really, in in my heart, I think I wish Bazza was still alive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and was still it was still the three guys um, going about doing their missions. Um, and yeah. but certainly, as you're saying, it's a really interesting way of doing it. Mm. That you know you have effectively the the loose lip sink ships element from Dave Boy to. A, a group of, um, I suppose, scallywags, um, uh, sort of, I think, travellers, actually, um, that run a fairground. He gets drunk, spills the beans about all this money, and they're the ones that kidnap um, Alfie's mother. And and in, in coming to, you know, once Dave Boy remembers all this from the fog of whiskey and, and other uh, alcoholic drinks, that, mm-hmm. um, that they chase... Uh, down this it's Vic Dobson um who is a, a, at Delaney's is a regular at Delaney's yeah um, but it is also that um like there's a great sequence here um a great fight sequence in the Hall of Mirrors between um Alfie and, and Vic mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was so nicely done uh, really good I mean you know no fairground chase would be um would be what it is without a trip to the Hall of Mirrors. Oh, we um, saw a pretty big one in Gotham. Uh, no, exactly. Between uh, Bruce Wayne and yeah. uh, the proto-Joker. It, it really say. does hark back to to the Joker and Gotham with with the, the fairground scene. Mm. Um, although it's more like a storage area for these rides whilst they're, they're not touring, it yeah. looks. But it's also, ultimately... Alfie gets the the money back, but is injured, and it's Sherry that takes off with the money, and it's mm-hmm. Sherry who takes their car to escape with all this money. I don't know where she thinks she's going. They know who she is. They know it's her. Yeah, Twenty um, grand, she could pretty much go anywhere. Though, exactly. So, yeah. But what I mean is, she's got to. You know, they know who she is. They know where yeah. she lives. So while she's getting everything together, they can go after her pretty much. Um, she can buy And it's the middle of a war-torn city, yeah. so she can't just go anywhere. She can, so, with that kind of money. But she I, has to I, ma- navigate around to uh, two or three canisters of uh, of gasoline, yeah. uh, which which seem to be more of the problem than getting away from them. But that's it. It's like the, the car gets taken out, and she crashes into these canisters, mm. and it explodes. And Baza is chasing after the car because it's his car yeah and and actually i didn't think he had died initially because it's just from the back yeah and i just thought he'd gone down on his knees holding his with his arms up because it was like my beautiful car exactly yeah and then it cuts to him with this huge stomach wound uh, that he ultimately dies of and i was just like oh no he has died from this, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's definitely dead. Because we have seen Dave Boy shot, I think, five times now <laughs> yeah. since the first episode of uh, of the first season. We've seen him shot maybe maybe three to five times. I couldn't I couldn't get the exact number. And he's recovered every time and all and almost all the time pretty quickly as well. So, um, whereas Baza here with his innards hanging out on the ground, and as I say, this peed me off. To be honest, I'm not too sure whether I'm very happy with this particular death. Because it doesn't play into the overall storyline. Effectively, the only thing that it plays into is they've now lost their 20 grand 
It doesn't play into the storyline of what's happening in England. It doesn't play into the battle between the good and evil that Alfie's caught up in between. It just plays into... It's randomers in a bar exactly. have done a heist on Alfie. Yeah. And Bazza is the collateral damage of that. It doesn't yeah. even feed into the fact that maybe Gully, you know, we we see um, Alfie thinking it's actually Gully and his team. We said that last week yeah. as well, last episode. But yeah. maybe it is. Maybe he's just boxing clever that he got the people in the bar to have that conversation. I mean, I, I'm just saying, right. you know, like even if it were to be something connected with Gully, uh-huh. like Gully put Vic up to it. Yeah, um, maybe. And... So then there is, as you say, some kind of revenge mission. Um, because ultimately the revenge mission needs to be on Dave Boy exactly. because he's the one that ultimately brought all of this about. Yeah. Um, and no, I, I agree. I, I think it's a shame it's not part of a bigger um, sort of story arc or or one of the existing story arcs that we have. And maybe it is. Maybe we've just not seen it all yet. Um, and maybe episode four will provide that. But I think... Um, yeah, th- this is a big move here in in the in the story by removing one of Alfie's lieutenants, effectively, um, and a real damn good one as well. I love this character. Absolutely. Um, I do like, in a sense, his death speech, where because he knows he's dying, he goes, "Well, uh, you must become fat to Alfie and have uh, a fat wife and have." <laughs> Um, fat, kids. fat kids and become fat and bald to Alfie. That's his dying wish for Alfie. Yeah. Is that if you're going to get to America, well, then I want you to kind of look ugly in the beautiful world, you know, <laughs> that is America. Um, and nah, the, I think Dave more, Boy just th- needs to brush his teeth to probably get the whiff of, uh, alcohol off his, off his breath. Right. You need to brush your teeth more and tell Doris Day. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, he dies on, the, on his final speech today, boy. But no, I think what he's saying to Alfie is that he thinks if he gets to America and gets away from all this, he can just let himself go. He doesn't have to be on tenterhooks all the yeah. time and tense all the time. He can just relax, have a wife and, and kids, and let himself go completely. He doesn't need to be the kind of Alfie that he is in London, I suppose. So it is. it feels like Baza, while it's very funny what he's saying, it feels like he's actually saying to him, you need to chill out, man, and you need to get yourself to a place where you feel safe and and relaxed. So, yeah, a great moment. Um, love the character, love the actor in the, in the show. Uh, really sad to see Paz go uh, in the way that he did, though. That's uh, that's where the that's where I'm peed off uh, at the moment. Uh, deaths in shows, um, especially where you have this kind of ensemble cast, they're always difficult to kind of navigate. Uh, what how you feel about them in some ways, especially someone that we liked in the show. You know, we we the one thing that we know is that Alfred Pennyworth becomes the butler for the Wayne family, and he's pretty much alone most of his life and serves out his life living in Gotham in Wayne Manor, serving the family. We don't know anything about any of his other family, even throughout Gotham in the five years that we're there. We we heard about stories about him when he's a young man, which is what's represented in the show Pennyworth. But he doesn't really have a huge amount of friends around him, at least in comic books and in and in what we've seen in Gotham. So you kind of know that Dave Boy and Baza weren't going with him to America to set up this their whole group when they went over there. But to have Baza taken away like this at this time in the show is is a real surprise, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Like, even if it was on a, a proper mission, yeah. you could you could see that that really kind of connecting in, and I, I suspect it would make it even more meaningful. Yeah. Um, but this is this was a big shock. Maybe that's the trope. Day. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the trope um, they were trying to avoid. But yeah. I think because we've had, as I said, because we've had so many big missions where Dave Boy has gotten shot in pretty bad situations and has survived, it feels even worse that we've got the one place where Plaza gets killed. Yeah, is and something that doesn't really mean that much. It's just money. Yeah, you know? and they've lost the twenty thousand yeah. that went up in the fireball, as well as Sherry. They've lost a, a waitress mm-hmm. um, at, at that Delaney's why, bar. Is that why it was so explosive? Because Sherry's flammable. <laughs> well, she may have had a few bottles of something <laughs> with her on her, just to, you know, her sort of uh, superhero juice. She did work in a bar, and you do spill a lot when you work in a bar. I know, I've, I know when I've worked in a bar, I've come out smelling of alcohol quite significantly, so maybe that was it as well. So well, that's it. Bottle. I mean, it even feels as though 
because Sherry went with them, because she knew where he was, yeah. was she in on it in some way? Remember, or, the reason yeah. why they found out is because Vic Dobson bought the 500 uh, quid ring for her. Yeah. So as an engagement gift. So, yes, she was definitely in on it. This is the person that she was going to marry, basically. So, yeah. uh, now, that was the kind of Bodic Dench and Dave Boy kind of feels like he should have been with Sherry. So, but she has has accepted the ring from Vic Dobbs and so she's become engaged to him, I guess. But um but yeah, an interesting one. Um yeah, I guess we won't know much more about uh much more about Sherry uh in the future. Um I don't and we don't know really know where if this is gonna play into the overall story. Well I certainly think that's what I'm really interested to see in episode four. Maybe some of the later episodes is, you know, how to create some more meaning of this death of Baza. Yeah. Um, and also just to see the, you know, I, I suppose the mournfulness of Alfie and Dave Boy, uh, you know, in respect to, uh, Baz's death. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, you know, I'm still intrigued whether Gully had something to do with it, even though he actually swears blindly that he didn't. But, you know, it was just that cold welcome from Gully's men when he turns up at this garage where oh, yeah. they have their base. You're kind of just going, well, okay, Gully can put on a face and hide what he's thinking, but it really looked like his gang, his group, yeah. um, couldn't. Like, they were well, yeah. really eyeing them suspiciously. Like, remember, this is a secret hideout. The only way that Alfie got the details of where... Gully is, even though he knows him, is by going to his wife and his wife shared the information, you know. Yeah. So there's also a little bit of tension created there, possibly. Um, given that his wife has given directions to Alfie to go and see Gully, uh, there's supposed to be their secret hideout. So potentially some more there with, uh, with Gully's wife in the future, um, as to how Alfred got the information out of her. So yeah. 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 So. Do you think that's it on uh, Alfie and the boys for this episode, John? I think it is. You know, yeah. R.I.P. Banzer. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing probably we haven't mentioned about the Alfie side of the story, really, and I don't, I don't know whether this fits in with any of, any of our other points, um, but it's just about about Alfie's mom. Um, we finally get her first name, which is amazing that we've gone through almost two seasons and we haven't heard uh, her first name is Mary. So it's Mary uh, Mary Pennyworth. Um and that we have that amazing opening sequence on their streets, effectively, as she's outside of the bombs start to drop. We see the bells of St. Paul's ringing out as a bomb explodes inside the cathedral. Well, crashing out. Crashing, yeah, crashing yeah. out. Yeah. Actually, that, that um, whole um, mortar assault um, on the city of London, that was pretty epic wasn't it? i thought that was really so well done yeah. i love the visual once again kosef um, vfx who've been doing all of the work with uh with bruno heller and, and danny cannon right back to gotham uh pulling out all the stops to to create this kind of world of london and see what it's like in the 60s of this this dc world with explosions yeah going like on i i thought this was going to be an all-on raven union attack mm. now it was just sort of the the day-to-day mortar bombardment to weaken the positions, weaken morale and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah I mean, if, they, if they're if they doing a shot like that at the opening of episode three, when the Union Army, the Raven Union Army does kind of begin to, you know, jackboot it into, into London, mm-hmm. I really hope they do a great wide shot because yeah that mortar hitting the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral you just hear the kind of clang of the bells as yeah. they're, they're uh, taken out so it was really really nice absolutely and just for our foreign listeners for our American listeners John St. Paul's Cathedral is most well known because it's for primarily for the um, the wedding of Prince Charles and Diana back yes. in the 80s yes. like normally it would be in Westminster Abbey I think a few of them have had it in the chapel at Windsor Castle mm-hmm. but Charles and Diana selected St. Paul's uh, for their wedding rather than uh, Westminster Abbey where also you have the coronation yeah. uh, of the the of the monarch uh, as well yeah. so um, a very famous cathedral yeah. in London it's just really weird that that we're talking about uh, Diana and uh, and Prince Charles there because Again, Esme from season one of Pennyworth, the actress who played Esme is, is currently playing currently Diana, playing Diana in, in yeah, the Crown exactly. on, and uh, on Netflix. It, it, it's modelled on St. Peter's in the Vatican. St. Paul's is, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, not the Crown. <laughs> no, no. And uh, like it was built by Sir Christopher Wren, I think after 
the Great Fire of London when the original cathedral there was burnt down. So they yes. did this, you know, huge um, edifice. But it, there's a great if you get if you're able ever to go there in the dome, they have it's it's called the Whispering um, Gallery mm-hmm. because you can be on either side of the the dome and you you just whisper to the left and you pick up what the other people are are saying on the other Very side. Good. So you hear all manner of crazy stuff uh, in that uh, cathedral. Excellent, excellent. Uh, not anymore. Not in the not in the world of Pennyworth. <laughs> well, you can socially distance uh, as well. At least you could just stand there and, and talk with uh, like whatever that span is. But it's more than two meters. That's true. That's true. But again, not in the world of Pennyworth. It no, no. longer exists because it has been blown out of the water. But very interesting, John. Uh, listeners, I did just have to point out uh, to John when he was describing uh, the whispering wall that he all, he can't whisper when he's on mic or else you can't hear him. <laughs> That's true. No, don't, don't, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, let's get on to the Raven Union, our second kind of major section for our Pennyworth uh, discussions, I suppose. Uh, and really what's going on in here is Beth Sykes um, finally getting in contact with Lord Harwood. Yeah, finally. Um, after, as she says, being, being chased by Rosas all over the Midlands <laughs> because of what she did to a superior officer, her and Catherine finally... After being on that run, find a safe harbour mm-hmm. in one of Catherine's former uh, lecturers, Dorian Burbank, who's an artist and, and lecturer and teacher. Yeah. Um, I think Bet has issues here with the artistry that he does, thinking it's all of women. So he he must be a bit like a peeping Tom or a lech. That he, right. He's only painting these women uh, in order to get a good look, basically. Right. <laughs> um, and so she's really not that um, sort of... She's not too welcoming um, of Dorian Burbank uh, at all. Well, there is also that thing with Beth always that there's a jealousy of her, of anybody else that gets in her way to what she wants. And in here, we kind of feel like um, we hear it uh, specifically from Catherine that um, while it's while. Beth scares her. She knows that Beth wants to be her friend. So she thinks the easiest way to not get killed by Beth, basically, is to keep being her friend. So that is that is the kind of uh, conundrum of being around Beth. No matter what you do, she can flip out and can go crazy uh, in different Well, hero to zero very quickly yeah. with, with Beth Sykes, I think, you know, from being someone who she absolutely is looking up to, yeah. except for her family with, with Peggy. Yeah. Um, Peggy knows how to deal with her, you yes. know, um, or it's, I'm going to kill you, yeah, basically. There, there's really not a lot of grey yeah. areas with, with Bet Sykes. Like even last season, we saw her with the with the Queen, thinking the Queen was cheating at a game, at a, at a family board game, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. yeah, she, no, nobody is beyond uh, her scope. But you kind of see it with, with Bet. She is interested in art. You kind of heard that when she met Catherine first. I think she likes the freedom. I think I mentioned this in episode one. She likes the freedom of somebody that could be focusing on art with everything else going on in the world. So she's kind of attracted to... Catherine because of that because she's a free person that is focused on art and we do see in this episode confirmation that Catherine is an artist because we see her making yeah, her first exa- drawing yeah, of Beth. Which is really good we see that yeah. she is actually an artist yeah. yeah. She hasn't um, been lying the whole time No, exactly. So, but or, she, or she could be a resistance fighter who's also an artist of course. But, of course uh, yeah. but it ultimately gets lost on, on Beth she doesn't see it because yeah. um the Union police have arrived at uh, Dorian's house mm-hmm. and are just begin firing at her and we we have this really interesting element at the hq for the raven union with lord harwood where yep bet finally manages to get hold of him he is still very much um an admirer of her and thankful for her and helping uh, him to escape from the the um, the league, the new yep. name league at the time, or the the government, I should say, the original government. Yes, from, and uh, the, uh, the previous prime minister. Yeah. But you know, he does realize that she can be a liability, um, and he realizes it's not really a great thing that she killed her superior office officer and then uh, went on the run from from um, the Raven Union. Yeah. Effectively, yeah, I do like his response of. 
can't keep doing this because you feel like in the last year there's been a few instances where she may have killed one of her superior officers or other officers or anybody that might have annoyed her anybody that didn't have uh, or tried to give her a scone without any any currents in it maybe um, yeah <laughs> and I, I think scone and um, but i think while lord harwood has this soft spot for for bet sykes um, it is most apparent from the exchange once Francis Gaunt and Captain Salt hear of um, her contacting Harwood that they do not. They see that her actions um, compromise the Raven Union, that she's a bit of a loose cannon, um, yeah. that she could, again, be either all in fully loyal to the Raven Union mm-hmm. or their worst enemy, um, whichever way. And so I suspect then that these Union police that have been sent there to pick her up with orders to fire on her immediately and probably take her out um, are at the orders of Gaunt, Francis Gaunt. Mm, maybe, yeah, yeah. Or or if Salt uh, potentially got, got stuck his uh, his wicket in there, I yeah. suppose, maybe. So but it, it is interesting how people justify themselves, and that's why, that, I suppose, that's what's interesting in the hierarchy of the Raven Union here. We see it a bit in the English League as well, but in the Raven Union, we have um, someone like Salt who's kind of agreeing that bet's a little bit off the reservation, yet he's effectively setting up a, a mass-murdering um, weapon, a, we- a weapon of mass destruction, effectively. You have Francis Gaunt, who's kind of thinking, you know, we're above all this. We're trying to bring the country back to its greater self. But again, they've been running around killing people all across the country and taking over uh, land and, and bombing major cities. She seems to be okay with that, but that's a step too far because she killed one person, you know, that kind of, that kind of way, you know. Well, and she's... then we have the, the third element, obviously, with Lord Harwood, who is completely respectful of the fact that without Bet, he would not be alive today. Exactly. So there are the, the kind of three elements in there. Salt, obviously, at a lower level, he isn't involved in the leadership of this party, but, uh, but potentially he could be siding with Gaunt against, uh, against Harwood. Or, of course, Harwood and Salt could be working together on Project Stormcloud and go back against Gaunt and how she, how she manages Yeah, it's an interesting so. one where Salt is in this because you definitely get the impression that, like Francis Gaunt, uh, he sees Bet as unstable. Yeah. Yet, I wouldn't have put those two um, as... Uh, together yeah. as working together then to get that Sykes and so maybe this is an underhand play by Salt to appear as though he's working with Gaunt or agreeing with her that Bet Sykes is too unstable mm-hmm. to be in the I'll have the ear of um that Lord Harwood yeah. but ultimately will then betray her um when and if Lord Harwood hears of this attack. I mean the other thing is what Bet thinks of this. Does she feel that it is Lord Harwood? So that's it. It's you know, for her, Lord Harwood is now the enemy, is dead. Is it that he has sent these um, police around to kill her and fire on her? Because she effectively hightails it out of the safe house yeah. um, with Catherine in tow. So she's going to feel uh, betrayed here. And will she pin that on Lord Harwood? Um, and, you know, th- th- this is kind of an interesting little fallout piece that will happen with uh, Lord Harwood and the Raven Union mm-hmm. upper command, I yeah. reckon. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting, interesting stuff. Let's go on to our final section uh, about the English League. I think that's it for the Raven Union from this episode, mostly focused on Alfie and the boys uh, a lot of this episode. So the English League side of it really is about what's going on with Prime Minister Archbishop Potter as one of the leaders of the English League. Even though it's not to do with anything to do with the Raven Union, this is a plan from the CIA to take them down. We see... Alistair Crowley's temptations uh, have worked on uh, on the Prime Minister. Maybe. Now, I'm not convinced here. <laughs> I'm not too sure because of how it plays out. You see some kind of looks from Archbishop Potter when uh, Alistair Crowley's saying to him, I want you to come and meet my friends and talk them off the ledge like you've talked me off the ledge kind of thing. Um, you see some little looks from Archbishop Potter, Potter and I'm not sure whether to read that, that he is really interested in maybe finding some of the more titillating sides and the uh, the temptations that Alistair Crowley is able to bring to him. I'm not sure whether that's a definite thing or whether this is simply that Crowley has perverted him in some way with drugs and, or drink and gotten the photograph out of it. Because we didn't see anything 
in the lead up to it. We saw him going to meet his friends and then we see him waking up surrounded by all the naked bodies of, of men and women um, that he potentially had had some kind of uh, relationship with <laughs> well, somewhere all over. Well, the that's day. it. I, I um, guess with what happened with Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. in season one where he was effectively drugged with an hallucinogen yeah. that this could have and Martha. Yeah. So th- this could have been a similar thing that transpires for Archbishop Potter. Now we don't yeah. see any of it, but I-, I guess that's the way that Crowley operates yeah. Um, yeah. and would have gotten uh, Archbishop Potter to be uh, compliant to either partake or effectively just to drug him to then exactly. lay the diaspora of naked bodies around him for the friendly, uh, you know, photograph yeah. right at the end. Um, but that's what I'm wondering whether it's compliant or complicit. I suppose it doesn't matter. Two very different things. It's the photograph of is, all, is all important. Yeah. Which you know, you have the moment where Francis Gaunt is saying, you know, he was a nice man, but that effectively there's no leadership here uh, with the English League. Will it be the Queen or will it be John Ripper that mm. will ultimately take Potter's place yeah. as the uh, leader and Prime Minister of the English League? Or so, Inspector Aziz, maybe? Or Inspector Aziz. Yeah. But I, I think um, the interesting thing here is, it, you know, it does go pretty dark. It's not like he just resigns and then becomes um, a a recluse in in the church you know um atoning for his perceived sins with this this orgy real or not but yeah. instead uh, it shows him committing suicide yeah. um which you know takes it to a really dark place here mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the good things about um pennyworth is that actually there's an awful lot of darkness in this yeah. um that's mixed in. And I think it really packs uh, an oomph because it, it does straddle a, a nice line between, you know, the weird, wonderful, crazy, um, funny, dark funny, uh, or darkly funny, I should say. Yeah. And then just, you know, the, the, this, this moment with Potter taking his own life because of, you know, the complete, um, trashing of his position yep. his reputation um whether for real or or not yep. and um, i think the other th- great thing that comes out of this is right at the start of this episode we have um a little conversation between martha and alfie which is yes. really nice um, that, yeah. and um Alfie effectively lets her know that Alistair Crowley um, was in Delaney's with with Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. And so she knows this. And then Martha, with the death of um, Archbishop Potter, learns of Crowley's involvement there in, in, in Potter's disgrace and ultimate suicide and, um, you know, confronts Thomas Wayne there with a slap. Um, That's right. You know, knowing that he has been put up to this by the CIA um, and that, you know, effectively, in in no uncertain terms, makes it quite clear to Thomas Wayne that he has led to the death of this actually nice man. Yeah. Which is another nice little complication here that's been brought in. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it just makes me wonder, because I do want to know really just about this character of of, uh, Archbishop Potter. Was he a nice man that was hiding some deep, dark secrets? Or was he a nice man who got perverted by Alistair Crowley? Or was he a nice man who got drugged by Alistair Crowley and, a, and had a photograph in a compromising position taken of him? Yeah, they're, or- they're all different things. And I, I just wonder, in a world like the worlds that uh, Bruno Heller and Daddy Cannon create, where everybody's grey, nobody is good or bad, everybody's grey, was Archbishop Potter a person who was good, who was who has been manipulated to look bad, because that bit doesn't seem to have come out in the episodes that we've seen so far yeah. this season. And That's also all. that he was a nice man who liked a bit of uh, tickle your fancy and was also still a good man despite well, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's a very old assertion that because of, um, you know, maybe sexual arousement or something like that that um all of a sudden you're a bad person and um, just because you I do are, feel are wearing a, a dog's collar well i do feel the archbishop and prime minister of the country leader of the church has a slightly different uh benchmark that has to be set for them as to who they are in their private and public lives i think that's kind of what i wanted to know was there something in his private life that he hid 
Or was this simply, he didn't have a private life that he was hiding because he is as good as he's supposed to be for this role. That's all. Yeah, I suppose it depends whether he's sort of Anglican or Catholic. It does, it does, potentially. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's kind of it for the English League as well, and the Raven Union, and Alfie and the boys. Is there anything else from the episode that you want to talk about, John? Yeah, I think for me, what one of the few things I really liked Alfie's interaction with um, with his dad, whether it was a dream or a memory or kind of some kind of hallucination, just um, after the bomb yeah. that had dropped. Um, like he's in bed, so I guess it's some kind of dream. Yeah, but I, um, well, this happened throughout season one as well. So yeah. this is the kind of continuation of, it's the of Alfie's visions. Yeah, it's the it's flashbacks. A, and, it's a and vision visions. more like because yeah. his father looks like he's just walked out of that bomb from the end of season one because he's got. All of his clothes are torn. He's got uh, blood still on him. He's got uh, what looks like the aftermath of the explosion yeah. on him. Basically. He's yeah. looking pretty beat up. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like this because, you know, both his mom up until this episode has been, but she still is very down on Alfie going to the US and she certainly doesn't want to. And here we get from his dad's side where that, you know, he questions uh, Alfie's loyalty to England mm-hmm. because he just wants to run away and he has these USA dreams, I suppose. Um, but I think the surreal thing is then he leaves via the window by kind of just jumping out of it. Yeah, um, getting some Game of Thrones uh, reminders. Yeah, it did, really. Um, with King Tom and um, chucking himself <laughs> out the window after the great sept of Baylor mm, has yeah. uh, been consumed by Dragonfire. Spoilers for Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, that is. But, it, <laughs> um, but I just like this interaction because... Um, you know, even in his visions, um, his dad is uncompromising. He's questioning Alfie wanting to leave the country to go to the USA, just yeah. like his mother is. So he's kind of getting it from all sides here. Although, you know, Mary Pennyworth, after helping this um, child that had been injured in that mo- opening mortar attack of this episode, she seems more at peace with w- what she's doing in London yes. and her role. And so, you know, she's, she can see how she wants to remain and be a part of the life in, in London, even yep. if Alfie does decide to go to the US. Exactly. Exactly. I have it written, written as, uh, she finds her purpose finally. Yeah, um, exactly. Because she's been listless. She's been lost since, uh, Mr. Pennyworth died or was killed. Um, I, I want to just kind of extrapolate it out a little bit, uh, because, we have Mr. Pennyworth there, representative of the Raven League in the past, so he was a part of that of that group. Uh, he believed in their goals, he believed in what they thought, so much so that he was willing to kill himself, commit suicide as a suicide bomber to take out some of the leadership of, at the time, the No Name uh, League. I'm wondering whether this episode is setting up that Mary might join the English League to help out the wounded, because the attack on London was from the Raven Union. And yeah, she is saving people in London who have been who have been injured by their attacks. So I'm wondering if this is setting Mary up as being part of uh, of the English League. Like it's it's really interesting, you know, seeing how the story is setting up in in Pennyworth. Who's the good guys and who's the bad guys? You know, like especially because Alfie's father himself was a member of the Raven Union, believing you know British first, go back from monarchy, back away from the church, and back away from monarchy. Uh, take it back to the people, take it back to the unionization of England, effectively, yeah. uh, for the middle class and for the workers of, of the UK. And now you have possibly his mother going on the other side. Um, it seems like the Raven Union seems to have much more of the traditional DC type villains associated with us, <laughs> with, uh, with Harwood and with, and with Beth being associated with the Raven Union. But it seems like the English League are useless. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I'm surprised they've held out for this long, yeah. to be honest. And, and now with that vacuum, uh, with the death of and suicide of Potter, mm-hmm. you're just kind of like going, who is going to fill this void? Yeah. Um, you know, at, at this moment, I would say Martha would be the best bet because she seems to be the most like astute and uh, capable of, of yeah. any of them. Um, but I think. John Ripper has plans there to become the prime minister. Potentially, yeah, yeah. And we don't know what his other plans would be would involve as well. Uh, but just some interesting stuff to speculate on. Um, I've got a few notes uh, for this episode because we do need to go back to translating some of the uh, words that are used on Pennyworth, I think, again, John, um, because you may, you may miss what they are. Um, Bess uh, says she's being chased down by the Rosers. Um, yes. Yeah, Rosers is another term All for across police. the Midlands. Yeah. 
Yeah, Rosers is, is an, a term for police. Uh, the name, I, I just found it interesting where the name came from because I always wondered. It is something I have heard quite a bit, but we hear uh, other names for the police service in the in the UK. Uh, this name possibly came as a, a play on the founder of the London Metropolitan Police, uh, who was Sir Robert Peel. Um, so, uh, Rosers. Roz being a short name for Robert, so Rosers would be uh, the title that was given to them. And what I also thought, because I never recognised this, but a shortened, shortened term of, uh, of Robert is also Bobby. Um, and a lot of British police are called Bobbies. Uh, Bobby's yeah. on the beat. So, Bobby on the beat. Uh, so that apparently came from uh, Sir Robert Peel's name as well. Yeah, and one of the other sort of shorthand uh, names for police that from Sir Robert Peel's name that didn't make it were Peelers. That's well, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because of his surname. Uh, but that is not one that's stuck because now we call that for easy to peel satsumas. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but really interesting that it's gone back that far. I don't know why I never even thought about what the creation of the word Bobby is. You know, it, it's something they've heard very often the Bobbies on the beat in London, you know, but I've never uh, understood that it went all the way back to the founder of, uh, of the Metropolitan Police. Uh, another one that's in there, we have Ken, the guy who's trying to sell the ring to, uh, to Dave Boy and Baza, uh, tries to sell it for a monkey. Um, which is five hundred pounds, uh, as they explain later on in the episode. Yeah, slang for five hundred pounds. Exactly. Slang for five hundred pounds. A monkey. Yeah, and that comes from the nineteenth century as well. Um, apparently, it's because in nineteenth century India, a five hundred rupee banknote had a picture of a monkey on one side of it. So as they started started being used in England um, with the incorporation of India, with uh, a lot of travel between India and the UK, uh, they started being seen by people, and everybody started calling. A five hundred pound note, um, a monkey, based on the rupee equivalent, effectively. So I thought that was interesting, um, yeah, co- interesting. given that it's going that far back as well. So. And a pony is twenty five pounds in the UK. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from though. I didn't, no, I, didn't I research don't that, John. I have no idea. A ton <laughs> is a hundred, but that that's pretty. But that's obvious. pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where a pony. Maybe that was the going rate for. A pony in those days, maybe, um, or maybe, or maybe the, there was a pony on one of the banknotes. Yeah, maybe the Mauritius banknote had a pony on the yeah, side of it. Have, or something. Could have been one of those things. <laughs> but there you go. That's the uh, little translation quarter. Uh, if you noticed anything in the episodes that you don't get, understand, we are more than happy to look it up and uh, <laughs> tell you about it in the next episode. Let us know. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, I do want to call out my favourite quote from the episode in the conversation between Alfie and his dad, where Alfie's dad says, well, I could actually be alive. Uh, just because I'm visiting you in your sleep doesn't mean I'm dead. I could actually be over in America right now eating hamburgers on the beach. And then he flips it around going, but why would I want a minced meat sandwich? I know. <laughs> Have you ever thought of a hamburger as a minced meat sandwich, John? No. That's basically what it but is. But it is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Um, John, any other uh, notes or quotes from the episode? Uh, no, not from me. Well, how would you rate it? To be honest, I would give this um, four minced meat sandwiches oh. out of five. Okay. I, I, I thought this was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was a lot to it. And I mean, of course, just with the, the death, of Baza being taken out by flying shrapnel from a the car exploding. You know, he's been central character of Alfie's team um, there since episode one of season one. Really enjoyed this character, yeah. along with Dave Boy. Um, and I'm really sad to see him go yeah. um, from the show and from being part of that team. And I, I really wish, you know, whilst I do wish they had kept him round for longer towards the end of the season or or just not killed him off. Um I, I think it's you know a really big plot change here. And I yeah. I hope that it has meaning moving forward in episode four and beyond. Whether yeah. that is to do with just the fallout personally on the death with Alfie and Dave Boy, or whether it's because, you know, um, a bigger plot line is exposed here than what we just simply see in this episode um, around, uh, you know, loose talk in a pub when when you're drunk. Exactly. Um, that it, it is somehow connected to Gully, possibly. Is it even more connected to the Raven Union or, or something else? Um, so I think that's still to be seen. And um, just to to really pack some more oomph behind the death of Baza here yeah. in this episode. But- I know what you mean, because right now it just feels like this could change part of the fundamental makeup of the show by losing someone like Baza, who's 
you're, you're level-headed member of of this three-person team. Does it change some of the interesting stuff that's going on in the show? You know, like it, it feels like there's, as we said, it feels like there's no particular reason for this that would carry on other than to give Dave Boy a storyline. And yeah. that's, there's no problem with that. Of course, you have to give all your characters a storyline, but it feels like because it's not connected to anything else that it's a kind of a waste to lose a major character uh, on this side rather than maybe, you know, losing him in a bombing in the bombing of London and giving Alfie a a position to take against the Raven Union right now. It doesn't change anything about where Agreed. Alfie sits. He sits yeah. across everything. And the death of Baza is because of what happened to Dave yeah. Boys. So, it, it changes the yeah. dynamic because Baza was Alfie's sounding board. He was the reasonable one that could give him the advice or the yep. sounding board that Alfie needed. Davy Boy, Dave Boy, it was he was never that for Alfie. Exactly. He was another gun. He, he had, yeah. But he had a different function in that. So he's lost that function. So it, it's how it moves forward, I think. Um, it will be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. I thought... Um, Bet Sykes is always a little smaller amount of time in this episode, um, but you know, interesting developments there yeah. with the attack on her um, by, I suppose, from her point of view, Lord Harwood. But yeah. that slight sort of disagreement there, you know, or another one, it, it's the the role of Bet Sykes in the Raven Union mm. and her closeness to Lord Harwood um, with her instability. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, we still have the the Project Stormcloud that Gaunt and Harwood really don't see eye to eye. So, yeah. you know, this is another maybe fissure in, in that upper command. Absolutely. Um, and also, again, the tension that's there in that scene with Beth Sykes, where you actually don't know. I, I genuinely thought there was going to be a moment when Catherine came back downstairs and her friend, the the her former uh, lecturer, was going to be dead on the floor, strangled to death by Beth. You definitely, know? it feels like every every moment she's in the presence of somebody new, you're going, "Will this person survive the episode or not?" He doesn't survive the episode, but it's not be- well. It is because of Beth as well, but not not at her hand. Let's say uh, she didn't want to kill him, or she didn't kill him herself. But uh, but yeah, there's always that tension when she's in a room with somebody. Is she going to kill them for some perceived slight <laughs> kind of thing? So, uh, really, really good. Love, love the character once again. In yeah, I, th- I think some great setup here for Thomas and Martha. What mm. with the death of Potter and Martha understanding Thomas's uh, role in getting Crowley to do what he did. They're not trying um, to write a storyline of how no, these two get together. But are I they? think that will come as the season progresses, and I think this is kind of laying the foundation yeah. a bit here. But will it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It doesn't look like that. But it I feels mean, like they're writing the story of how these two should never be together. Well, <laughs> it, it certainly does seem that way. Um, but, you know, again, we need to see Alfie with them. I suppose ultimately, with the death of Baza, it is probably the dissolving of that um, original three-person team-up to having this three-person team-up of Alfie, Thomas, and Martha uh, that develops in some way. So we kind of need to see that. So, um, you know, I'm really interested to see where what comes from this. But I I thought this was a really good episode from the opening visuals of the mortar attack. Uh I think some really nice work with um, Alfie's visions and with his, his, his dead father, but also with his mom. And of course, um, everything else I've just mentioned. So uh, yeah, four minced meat sandwiches out of five. Very good. Very good. Um, I do wonder now, since they've lost their third member, I wonder if, uh, if we will see Alfie and um, Dave Boy take Gully up on the job offer. Um, I, I guess so, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's that he, where that leads to, because he's lost the money, as you yeah, say. Yeah, and Alfie's saying that he didn't want to, he always wanted to lead himself. He said he'd never follow anybody else after he left the army. I wonder if uh, this might change his mind. Uh, but we will see in the next episode. Thanks so much for that, John. Um, a little bit of feedback for this episode. Got a, fee- a bit of feedback from Angie Arhus over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Angie says, okay, so I did not watch Pennyworth when it first came out, but now that you're covering it, I was, and I was looking for a show to watch. I went back and binged the first season over the last two weeks. And I have to say, I love it. It's funny, quirky, and full of action. Beth Sykes is a great character. Yes, I realize that's awfully dark of me, but there it is. The scene where she kept hitting the dead guy in the first season while Aziz was looking on 
was just a hoot. Does that make me a terrible person? <laughs> no, it doesn't, Angie. It doesn't, Angie. We, I think we're all there with you. Beth yeah. Sykes is definitely a she great is. creation. Yeah, she's a fantastic character, and darkly so. Uh, yeah. Really such a great character. Definitely. And remember, you know, this is supposed to be from the people that brought you the villains of DC. So... Uh, even the dark, evil villains always have some good lines and uh, always have some good fun in their movies and TV shows. Uh, and she continues, I also appreciate you guys having a slang corner on the podcast for us non-Brits. Even with subtitles, I didn't know what some of the terms meant. Uh, in the last episode, episode two of season two, Alfie calls a guy an oily rag. I busted out laughing, having never heard that phrase before. I'll definitely be using it should the occasion arise. Thanks for another great TV pick, guys. You've never steered me wrong. I give the show 4.5 oily rags out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Angie. Brilliant. There's always some great terminology. I think the, the writers in this show uh, have a great grasp of uh, of slang terminology uh, in the UK, uh, particularly so in South England and also Northern English slang with Beth Sykes. You get lots of uh, lots of really interesting uh, call-outs. So thanks so much for your feedback, Angie. As I mentioned before, if you want to send in any feedback, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com or do what Angie did, pop over to the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries yeah thank you angie for that feedback really good to get um your your viewpoints um and certainly uh i'm there with you on mm-hmm. bet sykes uh character she is fantastic uh, i'm glad we've helped introduce you to pennyworth absolutely yeah great to have you with us for that um as we mentioned episode three and four air together on epics as part of this mid-season finale uh, we will be back later this week with our thoughts on episode four the hunted fox um Pennyworth is on a break from now until next year. Um, this is because of the break that was that was there in the UK for filming, um, just because of the lockdowns that were going on. They were able to get back to filming quite early. Um, but as you know, with this show, there's so much work that goes into it, lots of special effects and, and yeah. lots of stuff to, to nail down. So while they have finished filming on the show, there is some production work to do. Uh, so they're taking a break. It's going to be off air until March. Um, so we will be back later this week with episode four, and then we'll be back in March as the season continues. Uh, loads of other stuff going on, though. As you know, we've mentioned it before um wonder woman 1984 uh, comes out in cinemas in the u.s on the 25th of december which is oh yeah just before you hear this episode uh, so if you have been able to go to the cinema and see wonder woman 1984 or if you've been able to watch it on hbo max check out our coverage of of that movie of wonder woman 84 uh, on tvpodcastindustries.com uh, we really enjoyed it I had good fun yeah uh, going no, to the cinema for that really good fun before all the cinema shut down over here once again uh, we will also be back next month if you're uh, if you're looking for another comic book tv show uh, after we finish this half of pennyworth we'll be back in january with our coverage of WandaVision on Disney+. Plus, Yes, can't wait for that. Mm, uh, the Marvel. Scarlet Witch, yes, uh-huh. and, uh, and Marvel. Yeah. And of course, leading into Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness. You just love saying multiverse madness. Cannot wait. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. We will talk to you again later in the week, I guess. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow governors. We will be on a short break until we come back with episode four, The Haunted Fox. But as always, a pleasure speaking with you over this festive period Mm -hmm. on all things Pennyworth. Uh, Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep brushing those teeth. Nice, nice. (laughs) I'm off to get myself a mincemeat sandwich, John. Yummy. Mm. Bye. Pickles? (laughs) Bye. Don't give up. You'll get to America in the end. This is just a small setback. Hey. Promise me you won't give up. Promise. I swear on my mother's grave. I want to see you guys live in the sunshine somewhere. I want to see you get fat, Alfie. And rich. And bald. And have a fat wife. And lots of fat babies. Done, mate. Come here. Lie down. Hey, hey, hey. You all right? Very comfy, thanks. Just asking. Does your wife have to be fat? 
serious thing. These are my dying words, boys. You have to do what I say. All right. Fair play. Plump wife it is. First daughter we have will name her Baza. Mama me, what should I do, eh? Anything you see, eh? Within reason. Two things. Brush your teeth, my wife. I can do that. I'll tell the diary's day. <laughs>